Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good. Quick wardrobe, quick wardrobe change and we're in business. Glory to God. How's everybody doing? One more time. There you go. We're going to continue in our series. Thank you guys for being here today. We're going to continue in our series, Who Will Go? And this message is about sharing the, the message that Jesus brought. Because after Jesus brought the message, he told his disciples, whom we are now disciples, once we have decided to follow Jesus as these uh, brave people did here today and they got in the waters of baptism, we are now followers of Jesus. And when we're followers of Jesus, we are disciples of Jesus. A disciple is one who follows. And so it's simply, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to do that which he told you to do. And one of the things that he told us to do is to go. Who will go? Who will go and continue to share the message that Jesus brought? And what I really want to hone in on today, uh, we started this series last week, but what I really want to hone in on today is what is the message that Jesus brought? Because the message, pay attention, because the message that Jesus brought was really a great departure from the message that had been preached previously. Christianity is perfected Judaism. We, we have baptism. In the Jewish customs, they have ritual cleansing baths that people have to go through on, on many occasions. When I visited the temple in Jerusalem, surrounding the temple are all of these holes where they had dug out where they would have these ritual cleansing baths. So it wasn't a far-fetched idea to go into the water to be cleansed of your sin, to come back out a new creation. This was something that the Jewish people were, were very familiar with. But when Jesus showed up, he said, hey, I've got a new message for you guys, and this is the new message. Share the love of God. Share the love of God. Share the love of God. If we historically look back at where religion was at this time, it was at a place where it was about rules, it was about regulations, it was about following the rules, it was about trying to be good enough, and you can never be good enough, and you're never going to be good enough, and it was all about the rules. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, hey, you missed it. It's not about the rules. I touched on this last week, you guys remember. It's about love. It's about love. It's about love. It's about love, 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 love. Love, 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 love. Come on. John, John 13, this is Jesus speaking. Three years, three and a half years, he walked with his disciples. He's sitting at the Last Supper, John 13. And he says to his disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus says, I have a new commandment. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love. And then he didn't just leave us there to say, hey, what does love look like? He explained it. Actually, 
what I want you to do is I want you to love one another the same way that I loved you. I've been walking with you guys for three and a half years. You've got all of this stuff written down about what we've done, where we've gone, what it looks like. This is what I want you to do now. This is what love looks like. Go and do that. And when we love, that's how they'll know that we're Christians. Does it say that they'll know that we're Christians by how big a megaphone we carry with us? Does it say that they'll know that we're Christians by how many rules we can put on people? Does it say that they'll know that we're Christians by, you know, how good you look on the outside? No. They'll know that you are Christians by your love. Do we love? The question comes down to, do we love? Are we loving? You're probably saying to me, or saying to yourself, well, listen, listen, pastor, I've been in churches before and I've not felt loved. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We haven't all gotten it. And even those of us who have gotten it, a lot of times we don't do it well. But this is where we have forgiveness for one another. This is where we have grace for one another. And this is where we continue to work it out day by day. The Bible says that offenses are sure to come. We are sure, we are certain to be offended by someone. When we're offended, that's an opportunity for us to forgive and show love to the person who has offended us. And then we move on and we continue to love and we continue to do the right thing even though the right thing wasn't done to us. Martin Luther King Jr. said, responding with hate to hate only adds more hate to the world. Responding with violence to violence only adds more hate to the world. In, in a world ever increasing, ever decreasing in love. The only way that we fix this is by loving. The only way we fix this is by showing love. Even when we're not. Even when we're not. Look at this next scripture. As if it wasn't hard enough to love those who love you. Love, love your brethren in the church. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But, and these are the words of Jesus. These are Jesus' specific instructions. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. Love your enemy. Oh, that's hard. Bless those who persecute you. Do good to those who hate you. I'll, I'll have to admit, I, I have thoughts, but, you know, a, a thought unspoken dies unborn. So when I see people doing bad things, every once in a while, I'll have a thought like, man, oh, somebody's got to do something. And I'm thinking in a bad way. Somebody's got to take them out. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, when somebody does something bad, bless them, love them. Love them. Love your enemies. Love, love, love. Romans 13, 8 says this, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another 
has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love fulfills the law. I said this last week, it bears repeating. And I started out here by saying that before Jesus came, there were all these rules and regulations, and it was about how good can you be and can you, can you do it all. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, hey, it's not about the rules, guys. It's not about the rules. You may have been growing up in church for years and thought, it's all about the rules. It's not about the rules. Jesus came. He said, it's not about the rules. It's about love. Can you love one another? Will you love one another? Will you? Will you go? Will you love? Will you love? And so they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll love. I'll love. I'll love. Love as I've loved you. Okay, what does that look like? <laughs> obey the commandments that you've been trying to obey so hard. And that's what love looks like. So what's the difference? The difference is this. The difference is that if we start from a place of just trying to do the right thing, trying to do the right thing, trying to do the right thing, trying to earn our way in, we will fall short every single time. We'll never get there. We're going with the wrong motives. We're going with the wrong heart. And even those things that we seek to do that are good, we do wrong because we do it with wrong motives. But if we begin in love and we're trying to do the same things, but we're doing it from a different motive, if we're doing it from a different vantage point, if we're doing it because we love our brothers and our sisters and the strangers and every person that we meet, even if they're our enemy, and we're loving them and we're loving them and we're loving them, and even if we're failing to do it right, God still sees our heart in it. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, he sees the motive behind it. I can't judge your motives, but God can, and he does, and he will. And what, what Corinthians tells us is that we're actually be judged because of the motive of our heart, not how well we did it. Are you kidding me? This is great news. I don't hear anybody cheering. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've tried to love people, and I've, I've messed up pretty bad, right? You try and love people, and then you say something stupid. You try and love people, and then you do the wrong thing. You give them chocolate when they like vanilla, or, you know, they, they like pasta, and you made steak, and you're like, ah, I just can't get it right. I keep trying to love, and it just keeps coming out wrong. But God sees our motive in the whole thing. <laughs> Spend eight hours in the kitchen cooking dinner, and then you burn it, and it's terrible, and you throw the whole thing out and scratch it. But God saw the motive. He saw that you were trying to love. This is good news. 
This is good news. This is it. This is how we get there. There's not one of us in this room that will ever be good enough to earn our way into heaven. We can never earn our way there. We can never do enough. We'll never be good enough. We'll never earn enough. But it is the grace of God that forgives us of our sins, that calls us to live like he did, loving others. And when we're doing that, that's why we go to heaven, because we've submitted our life to Christ. We're trying to love others, whether we succeed or not. But we keep trying, and I want to get better, and I try to get better every day. So if I looked at you wrong this morning, I didn't mean to. <laughs> Pastor looked at me wrong. Okay. We are, live in a world that is desperately in need of love. Now, now more than ever. Now more than ever, we need love. The Beatles had it right. All you need is love. It's, it's really true. There were, there were actually a lot of true things to what they sang. I'm not going to go into it all. But there was a, a motive behind it. And then they didn't qualify or quantify what that love was. The love is the love of Jesus. The love is the love that the way, the way that Jesus defined it. When we go to bring the message of Christ to people that don't know him, the most important thing that we can tell them is that God loves you. God loves you. There is nothing that you can possibly do that can remove you from the love of God. It doesn't matter how bad of a sinner you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter your history. God loves you. God still loves you. God still loves you. And for those of us who have the earning mentality the, that we have to earn it, no matter what you do, you can't earn any more of God's love. <laughs> Frustrating some people in here this morning. That's okay. The word of God frustrates sometimes. When we meet somebody and we're trying to tell them about God, we don't need to point out what they're doing wrong. We should never do that. If you're trying to share the love of God with somebody, you never need to point out what people are doing wrong, the sin that they're living in. Because really, they already know. They already know. And this is why when you start to talk to people about the love of God, they're like, oh, well, I can't go to church. The building would fall down on me. Why do they say that? Because they know what sin is and they know that they're in it. I don't know what level of sin they might be in. I don't even need to speculate. And it's not helpful that I do. Now, what I, do, what I want to do is I want to share with them that God loves them. No matter what you've done, God loves you. No matter where you're from, God loves you. No matter what, no matter what color the sky is, no matter what color the sun is, no matter if it's warm or if it's cold, if it's bright or if it's cloudy or if it's rainy, there is nothing that will ever change the love of God. It's unchanging. It's 100%. He loves you with all of his heart. He loves you with all of his heart. First Peter 4.8 says, Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love 
will cover a multitude of sins. Love will cover a multitude of sins. So as we love, we're actually helping to get rid of sin in our life. Now, Proverbs 10 says, love covers all sin. If we were to walk in love and we were to do it perfectly, we would never sin. If we were to walk in love, if we were to walk in love and we were to do it perfectly, we would never sin. Love doesn't know how to sin. Love does no harm to a neighbor, to a friend, to a relative, to a stranger. Love does no harm. Love fulfills the law. Every single title, every little, every little line in the law, you can't do it on your own. But if we loved perfectly, we would fulfill the law. We would complete everything. Love covers over a multitude of sin. When we love and we show love, we cover over our own mistakes when we make them. It's glorious. Love it. Song of Solomon 8, verses 6 and 7. It's another scripture about love. You know, the Old Testament, if you've ever read through it, it's pretty barbaric. It talks about wars, rumors of wars. Um, back in David's day, King David, the power of God was shown by military exploit. And so if you were to read through the Old Testament, begin in Genesis and read through to Malachi, that's the Old Testament, it's pretty, it can be pretty gruesome at some points. Anybody got an amen for me? All right. Stuck in the middle of it all, stuck in the middle of all of that, right? God's people are let out into captivity. Some of them are killed. They're disobeyed. They drop dead. I mean, on and on and on the stories go. Stuck in the middle of all of that is this love song. This love song. That's exactly what it is. Song of Solomon. It's a, it's a love song between Solomon and his bride. And it mirrors the love that God has for his people, for the church. And so stuck in the middle of everything that's going on in the middle of the Old Testament is this song about love. Love, 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 love. Beginning in verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it out. If a man were to give for love all of the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. And so there is this love story, and I've just taken one, one verse, two verses, out of the whole of the book, and I've just put them up there because God has always been about love. And he had a plan from the beginning. And he laid it out, and he gave us the, the law in the Old Testament and then he sent Jesus and said, now I want you to love. And how do you love? You love by obeying the rules, but not because you can just obey them, but because you really want to try to love others. Set me as a seal upon your heart, God. 
Set me as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Love is as strong as death. No one escapes death. We all die. There's a one-in-one one chance that you will die. The odds are pretty good. <laughs> Two people in all of history that haven't died, Elijah <laughs> and Enoch. Jesus died, but he came back from the dead. Love is as strong as death. No one comes back from the dead except Jesus. Love is as strong as death. It's permanent. Love is permanent. Love is unchanging. Love is the strongest force in the universe. We've all read stories of, of a mother who their, their kid's trapped under a car and has the strength to pick up the car. How did that happen? Love. It's the endorphins. What motivated the endorphins? Love. I don't do that for a stranger. I mean, we should, according to love your enemies. Love, love, love. And God did. God set us as a seal upon his heart. God set us, each one of us, individually, as a seal upon his heart and upon his arm. He knows your name. He knows the very number of hairs upon your head. He knows when you woke up this morning. He knows when you went to bed last night. He knows your todays. He knows your yesterdays. He knows your tomorrows. Psalm 139 is a beautiful uh, psalm that David writes. And it's basically, God, when I get up, you are there. When I go to bed, you're there. If I'm here, you're there. If I'm there, you're there. No matter where I find myself, you're there with me. You're there with me. And his love is always there too. The one thing that I believe that God is speaking in this day and in this hour more than anything else is the fact that God loves you. God loves you. He is in love with you. He is so in love with you. There is nothing more that God wants than to just spend time with you. This is why he sent Jesus. This is why Jesus came. When Jesus came and he died upon the cross, there was a veil in the temple, just like this curtain here, except it was much thicker. And when Jesus died upon the cross, that veil was torn in two from top to the bottom, from God's end to our end. And behind the curtain was the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was, 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 was. Jesus died upon the cross. The veil was torn in two from top to the bottom. And God said, now my dwelling place is with men. I want to dwell. I want to dwell in your heart. I want to live in your heart. Will you let God in? Will you say yes to following the Lord? He wants more than anything for you to say, God, come into my heart. Take up residence here. Live here. I give you this space. I give you this space. I give you all the space. Come and live with me. Because God's presence behind a veil didn't work. But God's presence in our heart works. It gives us the strength. It gives us the motivation to be able to love. It gives us the, the right thinking. It gives us what we need to be able to walk this out day by day to be able to forgive others. We don't do it. 
We don't forgive others in our own strength. We forgive others because God lives in us. It's the love of God that draws all men to him. God's drawing you. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. If you haven't heard this verse, it's the most popular verse in all of Christianity. It's been repeated more than anything else. It's, it's gotten more hits on, on Google than, than all other scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, that would believe in Jesus, would not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and for mine, that we might have fellowship with God like it was back in the Garden of Eden. It's about a return to fellowship. This is what God wants. For God loved you so much. Jesus loved you so much that when they put this plan together in eternally dateless past, Jesus said, I'll go. I'll do it for them. I'll go. I'll lay down my life. I'll take their sin. I'll take what's theirs. And I'll give them what's mine. And this is exactly the exchange that happened on the cross of Calvary. Jesus took your sin, your shame, everything that you have that you don't want, he took it and he gave you his love, his strength, his authority, his power, and his Holy Spirit. And, he gets to, and we get to live with him now, right here, right now. That's the best part, in my opinion. We get to live with God. We get to have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. God loved the world so much that Jesus came, died on the cross, that whoever would believe in him, if you would believe in Jesus, if you would say, yes, I want to follow you, you will not perish. You will not go to hell when you die. You will have everlasting life. We get to spend eternity with God in heaven. And in my, I mean, that's great. I mean, eternity is a really long time. It's a really long time. We have no idea. And that is actually probably the best part. But the best part right now <laughs> is that God lives in my heart. And the, the fellowship starts today. The fellowship starts at the day of decision. Amen. Yeah. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. God loves us with an everlasting love. God's love is unchanging. It won't change today. It won't change tomorrow. It won't change next week. He actually loved you months ago and years ago. And he's been drawing you to this moment, to today. He's been drawing you to a moment where you'll say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. Yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. It's the love of God that draws all men near, all women near, 
all people near. It's the love of God that leads us to repentance. It's the love of God that transforms my life, that transforms your life. It's the love of God. And his love is unchanging. It's everlasting. It's everlasting. It doesn't, we don't have to worry about, God doesn't change. It's not like the political climate in which we live. It's not like the people that we know that live down the street. They're this way one day and that way another day. God's not like that. His love is unchanging. It's unchanging. He loves you and he's not going to stop loving you. Your love is not based, his love for you is not based on your performance. His love for you is not based on your decision. He just loves. He just loves. He just loves and he can't stop doing it. He can't stop doing it. And he won't stop. And he doesn't want to stop. What he wants more than anything he wants to have a, a fellowship relationship with you. He wants to talk to you in the morning, and he wants to talk to you in the evening. And he wants to talk to you around noontime and around supper time and breakfast and coffee break and three o'clock snack. You guys have all these, right? <laughs> yes, perfect. Second breakfast, absolutely. And third, he just wants to continual fellowship all the time. This is why the Bible says pray without ceasing, right? Because prayer is conversation with God and we have the right, we have the ability to have a continual conversation with God. We talk, we listen, he talks. It's the relationship that God's really after. Genesis says that after God had created Adam and Eve, that he would come and he would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and with Eve. Can you imagine walking with the physical God? Ah, it's so good. And this is what God wants to restore in our lives. He wants to restore this idea that we walk with him, that we fellowship with him, that we're with him, and that he's with us everywhere we go. Not just in the cool of the day, but all day, every day. Take God with you. If you're here today and you've never heard of this aspect of, of, of God's love before, you've never heard of this relational aspect of God's love today, I want to ask you to pray a prayer with me today. Pray a prayer and make the decision to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to make that decision to follow Jesus. It is the best decision you'll ever make. I made that decision 30 years ago myself. It is the best decision I've ever, I've ever made. I've never regretted it, not even once, not ever. There's no looking back. There is nothing back there for me. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I love fellowshipping with God. It is my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite thing to do. I can't get enough of it. If you're here today and you want to follow Jesus, I'm just gonna ask you to pray this prayer. If we could just all bow our heads. Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you 
all of the days of my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came to earth, lived a perfect life, took my sin in your body on the cross where you suffered, died, and were buried. I believe on the third day you rose again and that you are seated at the right hand of God and you share your authority with me. In Jesus' name, amen.